Do you think that AI is disrupting different uh, fields of uh, research or different fields of uh, work uh, for both for good or bad in terms of uh, because some people say that AI is taking the jobs but uh, we as uh, AI uh, researchers we always want to remind people that AI is also creating new jobs so where do you lie in that spectrum? I would have to agree with you. Um, I think AI is not studying jobs. For example, Hello, welcome to the AI podcast presented by Artificially. Today, our guest is Alexandru Baila, joining us all the way from Romania. Alexandru is a data scientist from a tech company called Endeavor. And today we are going to talk about some uh, cool applications of computer vision that he has worked on. So with that small introduction out of the way, Alexandru, the stage is all yours. Hello, and thank you for the invite as well. Um, so yeah, uh, today we're going to talk about a bit of computer vision and, uh, well, we're going to focus in particular, um, on an application, which is based on basically, um, just computer vision techniques that are being used nowadays. Um, so yeah, we're going to focus on this. I'm just gonna, uh, pull up the presentation here. Awesome. So if you give me one second, I'll have it here. Mm. Yeah, there you go. So um just gonna share my screen now. One second. So yeah, let's go. Um how do I share? Yeah. It's at the bottom, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So can you hear my, can you see my screen? Yeah, I can. Okay. So yeah, as I mentioned, we're going to talk about computer vision and well, how we use this to uh, build certain um, application and especially something for the blind people. Um, so yeah, uh, first about the agenda, uh, this is what is going to be included in the presentation and um, yeah, this is the let's say the um, the chapters of it. Um, now we're gonna go on to a little bit about me. So, uh, yeah, I started doing data science about three years ago. Um, I have some degrees in software engineering, which includes an uh, with a master's degree. I have an interest in research, and then I also am really passionate about um, building uh, high impact solutions that generally help the society. Um, well, I'm going to use um, throughout the presentation a couple of, um, let's say, uh, acronyms. So when I when I say VIP, I don't I don't mean very important person. I mean <laughs> visually impaired person. Uh, DL is for deep learning, and CNN is for convolutional neural net. Um, so yeah, let's let's start. I guess so. <clears throat> What's the main problem we're addressing? So I'm sure everyone's aware that uh, nowadays, uh, well, since a long time ago, there's this problem that people have where like they don't see, and that's called that people are essentially visually impaired or blind. And as of right now, there's about 36 million people who suffer from partial or total blindness. Um, uh, so, and out of these 14, 14% are totally blind. Um, to this, there's a couple of solutions that are already on the market, but there are only two. Um, there's the white cane, which I'm sure everyone has seen, uh, per, like people using it on the street, and they're quite common. But there's also guide dogs. But um, as you can see here, guide dogs are kind of um, expensive uh, to train and also to take care of. So, and white cane is usually a cheaper solution, but still it doesn't achieve that um, that good results. So there's definitely room to improve here, I guess. Um, 
yeah so if we make a comparison uh for guide dogs yeah uh th they provide security in the sense that uh you're essentially uh walking with someone um with um someone who can maybe uh, protect you in case of danger um they they provide mobility uh they generally guide the owner through and out of crowds um travel can be faster but um yeah, it's a bit annoying sometimes that maybe the dog can um, go in certain ways that you're not expecting. Also, there's the human factor to the guide dog. So um, uh, in the end, dogs are living creatures and um, they bring a human vibe to the problem. Um, on the other hand, uh, guide dogs usually have a... Well, dogs in general, in general have a short lifespan and guide dogs uh, at the same time have a even shorter uh, career, let's say, they generally work for about a maximum of eight years and then they become too old uh, to rely on. Um, maintenance, as funny as it sounds, uh, <laughs> dogs can, I mean, must be continuously trained um, yeah. and they must be uh, handled very diligently. Um, and also there's the guide dog health so uh, after all guide dogs are still dogs and uh, they are very sensitive to diseases and they can get sick sometimes which can um, make it unreliable for a certain period of time um, now we're gonna go to the comparison to the white cane yeah so walking cane or white cane it's the same thing um, what they bring to the table is basically their low-cost solutions they're very cheap to buy. The cost is around $40 average. Um, they are, well, there's there's little to no maintenance. Uh, they just have to be cleaned and yeah, you have to make sure that you don't break them. Um, and they provide tactile information. So um, you can push things with it. You can fill the surface. You can do all sorts of things. However, they become they become unreliable when... Uh, the weather starts to get really bad. So if it's a, if it's snowing outside, the, maybe the walking cane is not the best uh, the best item to use. Um, they're non-fluid. Uh, they can get stuck between cracks, um, and it can make you fall sometimes. Um, just imagine carrying like a stick and around you, and sometimes you can st well stick it <laughs> in between things, and you might get uh, yeah. So it can be annoying sometimes, and um, they don't provide that much awareness as as dogs do. So if there's a if there's I don't know an imminent danger coming towards you, mm, the walking cane cannot bark. So uh, you don't you don't notice that. So that's a bit of a risk here. Um, yeah. So as I said, uh, both solutions are a bit inconvenient. Um, a guide dog can be expensive and a walking cane is not efficient and they, it doesn't provide sufficient support, let's say. Um, and as a statistic, 5% of, um, let's say, VIPs use a guide dog for their daily routine. So uh, they use a guide dog to basically do their daily uh, activities and the other 95% just use a walking cane or get help from a relative or a close person. So, yeah. But what is for sure is that 100% of users are unsatisfied and they could definitely benefit from a better, um, a better tool, something which is a bit more reliable than this. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so we can help here uh, with machine learning, more well, moreover, computer vision. Um, so yeah, what I mean by computer vision is computer vision by a whole. There's a there's a set of techniques here and a set of principles that if they're put in place, um, let's say uh, in the right order and in the, if, if they're configured well between them, they can provide a really viable thing. So for people that are not familiar with this, um, this is a very broad definition of what computer vision is. And it basically, it is concerned with the automatic extraction, analysis, and understanding of the information that's coming from a single frame or a sequence of images. Uh, and then it also involves um, 
the development of a theoretical and algorithmic basis uh, to achieve automatic visual understanding. Now, it sounds very, uh, let's say, complex, but essentially is teaching the machine what vision actually is. We don't know because we're used to it, but it's much more than that. Yes. So, yeah, uh, in that sense, it's a bit complex. Um, here, we're gonna we're gonna look at certain architectures, uh, which are deep learning architectures. Uh, the first of which is object detection, and uh, so object detection is basically the task of uh, detecting instances of objects of a certain class in an image. And um, there's certain methods here that can be applied. Uh, some state-of-the-art methods include uh, one-stage methods, which can be, um, let's say, less accurate but faster. So, for um, let's say, if you if you um, just want to do a proof of concept or something like that, you may you right. might want you might prefer this one because you just achieve um, success faster. But there's also two-stage methods, right, which are more accurate but they require uh, like um, um, more computational power. So if you are building a system and you have the resources, this is the way to go, I would say. Then there's also segmentation, um, which is the task of dividing the image uh, into subgroups of certain elements from that are from within the image. So basically, uh, if you have a picture of, um, I don't know, a park, right? Uh, there you divide the uh, the items in the in the picture in certain classes, right? You have trees, you have benches, you have grass, you have uh, maybe a bridge somewhere. So yeah, you you annotate the things in the image uh, based on classes. And here, um, what comes of interest to us is basically two things: uh, instance segmentation, which uh, is is basically one pixel belonging to an instance of a certain category. And then there's also semantic segmentation, which is uh, one pixel belonging to just a certain category. So you don't differentiate between instances. That's the fundamental difference, I would say. Um, and lastly, uh, depth estimation, which is basically, yeah, it's very suggestive, I, I would say. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you just measure the distance from each pixel um, and you estimate it relatively to the camera. Uh, uh, and here we can measure depth in two different ways, uh, depending on the type of camera we use. We, have a we, we can have a monocular camera, which is basically everyone's laptop might, well, surely has a monocular camera. Uh, yes. And that means that uh, it's a single point of view camera. Then you also have uh, stereo cameras, which are multiple viewpoint cameras. So um, kind of like, um, I think the new iPhones have uh, stereo right. cameras. Yes. Yeah, so those are what stereo stands for. Um, right, so firstly, um, object detection. Um, Basically, you have an example here in the in in uh, in the right what it actually means and what it looks like. Basically, um, it's basically uh, a neural network that is composed of convolutional layers, pooling layers, dropout layers. These are for people who are not, uh, let's say, up to date on these things. These are types of layers that, uh, in short, they process the image in certain ways so that the network then can learn uh, image data and, uh, um, let's say, train with that, right? Uh, for convolutional layers, uh, basically what they do is uh, they produce future, ma uh, future maps out of the image, and then with the convolution operation, uh, they feed input to the next layer with next layers, which are generally pooling layers. Right. Um, Pooling layers are basically decreasing the size of the feature maps because, um, in the end, you also want uh, an efficient network. So, you want to decrease the image as much as possible, but still keep within good accuracies. Uh, you have dropout layers, uh, which basically uh, just drop a percentage of neurons from the neural net uh, to avoid overfitting. And finally, we have fully connected and the output layers, which are basically um, 
let's say the last judge uh, as in uh, they contain the weights and they have the decision they make the decision that uh, for example here this cat is actually a cat right so what's the probability of this being a cat and you generally the answer uh, when it goes out of the network looks like this like a set of probabilities in this case it's a binary classification right uh, there are binary possibilities dogs right. dog or cat so yeah this is what the the final layers usually do um yeah and as, as i mentioned here is an example of what it looks like uh, the output um next yeah we have object localization um it is basically the same thing but here um instead of the output instead of being a set of probabilities is uh, basically uh, a set well some bounding box coordinates uh, that are used to uh, to plot lines well to plot a box uh, in the image so that the object is well uh, located in the image so as you see here um, because the network has been trained on thousands of hundreds of thousands of pictures like this of cats and their coordinates within the picture then it knows that this cat is present uh, at this coordinates right here right that's the uh, fundamental difference right um, okay um, now we also have here for object detection we have a some let's say better methods i would say which are rcnn fast rcnn and faster rcnns and basically what they stand what they stand for is um, region-based convolutional neural nets uh, which are basically two-stage detectors that um, combine both lo object localization and image recognition uh, with the selective search algorithm um, as you see in this in the picture here um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about uh, the selective search, but basically uh, the algorithm searches areas um, that are uh, very similar pixel-wise. Right. So, and generally this search is done within 2,000 areas, let's say. Um, and why is why do we have fast and faster? Because basically uh, there's those are just improvements of the basic RCNN. For fast RCNN. Uh, we put some dimensionality reduction and uh, we compute uh, basically these bounding boxes through uh, regression. And for faster RCNNs, uh, there's a new algorithm which is called um, regional proposal network. And that essentially means that um, we also run uh, like a really simple CNN, like a two layer CNN on a on the feature map, which is generated, uh, feature map as I mentioned before, that's the fundamental difference, I would yeah. say. Uh, next, we have um, single shot detectors. Um, these are one-stage detectors, uh, which consist of just an ordinary CNN, um, which is run on the input image, and that uh, essentially generates. Um, feature maps, and then uh, we have small convolutional kernels on the feature map uh, in order to, ge to generate the object class and the bounding boxes. Now, there's a trade-off here because um, the SSDs in general achieve a good balance between speed and accuracy, but uh, it is still too slow to run in real time. So what I mean by that is, um, if you have, let's say, if, you, if you're trying to make glasses for blind people, you would need that information really, really, like you need to keep um, the information really up to date, right? So, because the person moves yep. really, really and Probably you want to do that on the edge device as well, right? If possible. Yeah. Which exactly. means that you have to do really fast computation. Exactly. Yeah. So, what I'm trying to say is that maybe, as you mentioned, if you do it on edge devices, this is not maybe a good idea. Yeah. Um, and also, it sits in the middle. So, like, uh, this is slower than YOLO, which we're going to talk about in a second, but it's faster than uh, RCNNs. Uh, it is more accurate than YOLO, but is less accurate than faster RCNNs. So, it's really in the middle. It's 
it's uh let's say nobody's algorithm <laughs> so uh, yeah um finally uh we look at yolo um maybe some people have heard of it it is a really popular cnn architecture that is used uh, to generate both labels and bounding boxes for objects um, by dividing the original image into uh, multiple grids of the same size. And then for each grid, uh, we detect, well, YOLO detects um, the object inside itself. So what, what's the advantage of it is that uh, essentially it makes a single forward step through the network. And uh, yeah, it just, uh, it just manages to combine the elements of both image recognition and object localization. Uh, it's very, very fast. Um, when I was working with YOLO, I was actually trying YOLO version 5, nice. which was which was uh, already really fast. Now we're on to version 8, yes. I believe. And uh, yeah, it's just so much of a difference, I can tell and, you. And now you can do uh, even more. You can do segmentation and everything. Exactly. Yeah, I, I just saw that and I was like, whoa. I was trying to mix these <laughs> a long time ago, but yeah, YOLO now provides this uh, functionality also. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, YOLO is a really, really good choice if you work on edge devices. Uh, and for this case, therefore, it, it would be a clear uh, winner, let's say. Uh, so as I said, it's very fast. Um, if you don't have like a really, really good, and uh, let's say a medium spec a GPU, you can try YOLO on your own computer. It's fine. It will just run uh, very, very well. Generally, I average nice. around five FPS, and I have a medium spec computer. Let's say. Okay. So, yeah. Now, uh, next, we have image segmentation, um, and here we're going to talk about, as I said, semantic and instant segmentation. Uh, first of all, semantic. Uh, for semantic segmentation, there's a really popular module called UNET, uh, which is basically, uh, it's a CNN architecture that performs semantic segmentation, but it's really, well, it's mostly used on biomedical data for that case, biomedical mm -hmm. images. Um, the, ar the architecture is like an encoder-decoder um, type of um, system that performs well, it just continuously downsamples the input image and it also creates feature maps. And then from these feature maps, it then upsamples them into a, a new image and with the corresponding task. So basically, it, um, as you see here, this is why it's called UNET because it's a U form. Um, you create the feature maps, but you also downsample the image, right? To yes. identify the correct, the, what the pixels belong to. And this is very, very efficient because then you can mix them. Um, so far, uh, for biomedical image segmentation, UNET proves to be state of the art, or so it was at the time uh, this presentation was made, but it's not too long ago, so it should still be uh, the best in the benchmarks. Um, and yeah, with the medium spec GPU, uh, you can achieve really high frames per second. So it's a really, really good architecture to, to try if you're working with uh, biomedical data. Um, right. And then instant segmentation. Um, as I mentioned, the difference is basically uh, if you're doing instant segmentation, it's like it's like differentiating between two sheep that are that look exactly the same. Uh, one's an instance of a class, and the other is another one, right. and that's the main, that's the the main difference here. For semantic, it's the same thing; nobody cares. Um, here, mm, let's say the key players are uh, Musk region, uh, CNNs, and um, yeah, I think I think Musk RCNNs are basically the benchmark here. Um, there are CNN-like architectures that. They essentially work in the same manner. However, uh, they generate three types of outputs, uh, the object mask, the bounding box, and the class label. Um, the architecture is quite similar as in a fast RCNN, uh, along with the region proposal network. Um, 
yeah, as some observations here, the architecture is quite common. So it's not like a, it's not something, it's not like a breakthrough like a transformer is nowadays. Um, yeah. But it's, it's very, very, I mean, it's got a pretty good performance uh, with a medium spec GPU. Again, FPS can be, can be quite high. So for trying it out on your laptop or edge devices, it's a, it's a good choice. Right. Finally, uh, depth estimation. Now, depth estimation is a bit overlooked on the market, I would say, because um, so far um, there's things like um, cameras from Intel, which basically, um, well, yeah, it's a paradox here. Uh, cameras steal AI's job in this case because yes. um, AI... AI is not really developed that much here, mm. but it's still, um, yeah, I, I guess there's quite a lot of potential here. And uh, we are talking about uh, detection of depth from monocular camera or uh, because stereo camera is not that uh, cheap and not that common, right? Exactly. Yeah, we're, we're talking about monocular here. Yeah. Um, the, the, Intel, the Intel one I, I mentioned earlier is, uh, is stereo, I think. Yeah, hmm. and but that's quite expensive. Uh, right. When I was working on this project, I think I was researching the market, and it was around five hundred or four hundred dollars, oh. uh, not dollars, euros. Yeah, that's Which, costly. Yeah, it's costly. Exactly. There is if a you... there is a device called OpenCV AI Kit. It's it it has depth estimation as well, uh, with with the cameras. So that is another device. It's a little bit cheaper, but mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's still costly. Uh, not as cheap as uh, the monocular cameras. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. The problem is that monocular methods are not that efficient. I mean, mm, well, they are efficient, but they're not so accurate. Yeah. Mm. So as a stereo camera would be. But I guess it's a, well, if you don't have the means to do it, it's a, it's a good compromise. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah, you're just working with the ideas, basically. Um, what I wanted to say here is that what I was, what I worked with is called Midas, and Midas is basically a CNN that is based on regression, and uh, it reproduces depth uh, within images that come from uh, monocular cameras. Um, Midas was essentially trained on a lot of data, and by a lot of data, I mean about ten different datasets that. Uh, portray uh, objects um, in different POVs, right? Because um, here we're talking about depth and depth yep. is uh, dependent on the POV. Um, some observations, as I said, it's a, it's a CNN. Uh, the architecture is very common. Um, it is a lot more affordable. Well, it's free, essentially, <laughs> uh, than some other uh, depth estimation engines, like I mentioned before, the Intel Real uh, RealSense D series, um, and yeah, with a medium spec GPU um, and some, let's say, clever configuring, you can achieve high FPS. And what I mean by that is that um, you don't need to, depending on your type of project, uh, you might not want to compute the depth every time, every mm -hmm. frame because you don't really care. Maybe you want to compute the depth when you actually have a frame that is of, let's say, uh, of interest, right? Right. So yeah, you have to make use of the resources you have, or if you have the resources, yeah, good for you, go for it. Uh, yeah, depends. So there you go. This, is, this was an introduction to computer vision and some uh, techniques. Now, what I worked on basically, uh, and, and it, it involves this, this kind of things, is a prototype that um, essentially can benefit the visually impaired people. Um, what I used here, um, as I said earlier, uh, I used YOLO v5 and Midas and Python text-to-speech nice. uh, to build this. Um, and what it essentially is, this is like a, like a high-end schema, let's say. Um, basically, we wa I wanted this to be like a, an, an attachable device, uh, like a, let's say like a pair of glasses. Uh, and then with that pair of glasses, um, you would look 
throughout the room or the environment you're in. And if you're looking for, let's say, I don't know, your phone, uh, your, I have it in front of me, my mouse, my notebook, and but I'm visually impaired, I cannot see, I would use this uh, device, I mean, this system to locate it. Right. Um, and what it does essentially, it searches for the, let's say, requested objects or list of objects for that matter. And when it finds them, then it saves that specific frame. Um, and well, the frame is pretty much identified with YOLO v5, right? Because you keep, um, you do continuous inferences with YOLO on your frames, and then essentially you find the right frame in which your object is present in. When you find that, uh, essentially you extract the bounding box coordinates. Um, and also, as I mentioned earlier, you have to be smart here because sometimes depth, well, it is affordable, but still it's a bit heavier than YOLO. Uh, you produce your depth map because you want to know where exactly um, or how far is it from you, right? But right. it's because it's it's always it's always going to be in front of you, but it can be like thirty centimeters, sixty, even one meter, one meter for that matter. So uh, you need to know the depth, um, and then yeah, you just uh, produce the depth map, find out the depth, and yeah, you have your object location. Uh, here's like a screenshot of how it actually works. So um, yeah, these are some metrics I was just using to monitor the behavior and the performance. But essentially, it found uh, that my cell phone was exactly, and I say exactly, 13 centimeters away from the camera. Nice. Um, but yeah, this depth is, is still monocular. So with the means that I had, um, it manages to achieve pretty good results. Although I would recommend, uh, let's say, stereo techniques here based on my experience. Um, yeah, before I, I'll, I'll share this, I just want to say that um, in order to make the prototype more efficient for the visually impaired person, um, the following ch changes can be applied. So I have used object detection, but um, I would I would have preferred to use instance segmentation because um, there's been a couple of cases in which the object was located. And then let's say um, if how you see me here, right? Uh, the camera would locate uh, me as a person and then right. it would draw the bounding box around me. But if I moved like that, the box would still be the same. But then oh. at that point, which is the, the middle point is going to be pointed towards the uh, the drawer, which is behind me. Mm. And then the depth would be different. So that's why I would suggest if there are people who want to do this in the future, um, look out for instant segmentation. Uh, using the mask and the exact footprint of the object is much better. Um, yeah, and also the second idea is, yeah, as I said, you need to plot the depth point in the object mask instead of the bounding box. Um, if you want to deploy this system, don't use your laptop, use a more powerful device. Uh, or if you have a powerful laptop, use your laptop. Uh, um, if you're working with speech to text, um, it's the Pi TTS uh, X3 is not that good. Um, I have tried it and it fails, uh, well, 50% of the time. And here it fails on like a native English. I had friends who tried it, but if you have a, let's say a stronger accent, uh, yeah, it might not recognize you, uh, as right. I, uh, as I, um, as I experienced in some occasions. Mm -hmm. And also there's this technique called visual slam. Yeah. Uh, which is very like I think it's a uh, it's very like under researched I would say still uh, for this subject, but it's it can be a pretty pretty good um, approach to the problem. Uh, this is just uh, what what we talked about here is very primitive compared to what Visual Slam brings to the table, but it there's a lot of research to be done there still. So yeah. Those would be my, my recommendations. 
Yeah, so before showing you a bit of uh, an inference, um, yeah, as I said, with computer vision, yeah, there's all sorts of cool things we can do with it, but in the end, we can also use it to actually create some impact uh, on society and actually help some people. Um, unfortunately, there's little to no interest in this subject um, because, well, it's a noble thing and uh, sometimes businesses or uh, let's say important players on the market do not see uh, a financial uh, profit, like a financial benefit here. So they say no. And But there's also at the same time, there's huge potential. Um, if we can build chatbots, uh, chat GPT, and all sorts of things, we can build, we can make our lives much easier. Uh, we can invest in people. We can uh, actually help people who are underprivileged by using these techniques. Really good so, point. Really good point. Thank you. And yeah, we have to set our priorities a bit uh, more straight, I would say. But yeah, it's uh, it's subjective, I guess, here. So yeah, I think, yeah, this is it for the presentation. Um, before I show you, if you have any questions. Sure. Uh, I, have, I have one question regarding uh, Mask RCNN. Uh, do you think it's feasible to run uh, instant segmentation on an edge device? Uh, isn't it uh, computationally really expensive? Uh, that's a good question. Mm, it depends on the edge device. Uh, mm. If you're using raspberries, uh, if you, want, you, you might want to try the most expensive one, which I yeah. think is also the best. Uh, is it the most powerful one? One, I'm not too sure. I have I have one with uh, four gigs uh, RAM. Okay. Sorry, I, I think it's eight gigs RAM. Uh, okay. And uh, I I ran mobile net on it. It it ran pretty well. Uh, okay. It ran uh, Yolo V5 pretty smoothly, but I haven't tried uh, maskers in and uh, yet. But uh, okay. mobile net was uh, sort of getting stuck a little bit. Uh, so I I think uh, I'm not sure if uh, maskers in and will run as smoothly as. Uh, uh the other algorithms but i'm definitely i definitely want to try uh, i mean 8 gigs ram is pretty high but uh, it, it's yeah. no gpu though yeah still but you don't need a gpu i think if you have a really strong cpu and like a high yeah. number of uh, ram then it can achieve oh, you're always going to have um yolo is always going to be uh, the fastest uh, so you're you're yeah. always gonna get a decrease in well in in FPS for yeah. more expensive algorithms. I would say maybe give it a try. I guess um, I haven't tried with Edge yet, but if you, I would say if you achieve around 10, 15 frames per second with Yolo, you mm. should definitely um, uh, try the other ones as well. For sure, yeah. Uh, I'm gonna try uh, running a V8 uh, on uh, on the on the Raspberry Pi and see how that uh, how that right. goes because now we can do segmentation on uh, V8. Yeah. V8. Yeah. And I think yeah, it should be also. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm not aware of how they built the segmentation um, pipeline, but I think it should be like the same the same kind of story, like really really affordable on all laptops, I guess, right? That it's still YOLO. Yeah. That's their selling point after all. Yeah. Okay. So if not, we can, uh, we can move on to the uh, demo, I think. Um, yes. I'm actually going to show you now. So basically, I don't know if you're going to hear what uh, the, the this system actually speaks, but I'm not too sure if you're going to hear the, the voice. Uh, if not, I'll, I'll let you know. But basically, what we're trying to do is um, we're going to assume that uh, I have lost my phone and I'm, ju I, I'm just visually impaired and I cannot locate it. Perfect. But somehow I'm not going to move my laptop around because the camera is attached to it. So I'm just going to plot the phone uh, like this and it will tell me how far is it so perfect let's uh do you see my screen uh or? no you have to uh change i think you have to reshare again uh, because oh, uh, okay. I see... okay now i see the terminal that's perfect yeah so we're just gonna run this we'll let it 
wake up a bit. It, did you hear that or? I hear, I heard a really uh, shallow voice. Uh, okay. It basically said that it's looking for cell phone and that it's, this is your virtual assistant. Gotcha. Oh yeah. Uh, problem is I cannot do this with my camera on. Uh, so I have to. Mm. Yeah, for sure. My camera one second. Yeah. Right, it's booting up now. So let me share my screen now. Um, okay, so can you see my screen? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So basically this is like my uh, front-faced camera. Um, this is the room I'm in. And then if I put this phone up here, well, in a certain position, at least. Uh, this is Yolo V5, so it's, there you go. Yes. 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 There you go. So, oh, oh you didn't yeah. see. So basically, uh, what it said is that cell phone found, and that it also it it asked me whether I want to know how far is it, and it told me that it's about twenty centimeters away from the camera. And if I'm trying to look, it's about twenty to twenty-five. So in that let's say area, I would say. Uh, I'm not sure. Did you were you able to hear or? Uh no? For example, now I can see uh, the uh, depth map, not not the depth map, the bounding box uh, property. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, right. Yeah, yeah, I, I see it now. Yeah, Perfect. there you go. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, what it basically, what it said basically is uh, that the information you see uh, here when the bounding box is displayed is being, uh, is being spoken to me. So that's all. But gotcha. So it's like, it's like it says uh, we found the phone. Uh, exactly. Because now we have a bounding box around it. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, as you can see, it also uh, my headphones are being confused to a cell phone because right. of the shape. I don't know. It just sees them as a phone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for some reason. But yeah, that that's that's due due to the data it's been trained on. So. Uh, or maybe yeah. you can play with the uh, threshold a little bit. Uh, the confidence threshold. Unfortunately, uh, with your law, I don't know if you can. You can do that mm. with, um, or or I don't. I'm not aware of it. Um, yeah. Although you can play with the threshold, yeah. But I've tried to do this with Detectron. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah. There you go. Facebook so research. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, Detectron allows you to basically create a class in which you you set the threshold to be as much as you want, mm. and. Yeah, you can experiment with that. Mm, interesting. Yeah. So awesome. yeah, this is this is a, a well in in a, in its true uh, meaning a prototype. It's not uh, I mean still deployable, but it's a it's a starting point. And from here on, there's a yeah, there's yeah, there's a path forward. Stuff. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely, absolutely. I love the idea of uh, using a some sort of visual device uh, to help uh, uh, VIPs uh, to help locate uh, objects. Uh, one question I have uh, is uh, how did yeah. you, uh, so how did you input the like phone, for example? Yeah. Do, do, do you have to like uh, keep a picture of your phone on a, a, a directory or how do you input a phone or is it looking for phone only? Yeah. Uh, so basically, when you run YOLO, um, you can run it. Uh, YOLO has default classes, which are basically built in. And yep. uh, for every inference, it searches for those classes. 
but you can also um, call it with um, certain parameters and uh, those parameters are basically the classes and gotcha. in this case um, well for the sake of the demo i put in phone but uh, when i was building it i was trying to um, like uh, i was using google speech recognizer i was speaking into the microphone and then it it got what I was telling, like, uh, I don't know, fork, phone, or uh, desk. And it was nice. translating these things into, like, strings. And then those strings are passed uh, as parameters to YOLO. Brilliant. So you can use YOLO with, with, with parameters. Okay. I, it it, it uh, sort of makes it clear uh, the, the idea a little bit more for me, uh, as in you use speech-to-text to say the name of the class that you want to detect. And then mm -hmm. it looks for the object. Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. So yeah, uh, from my part, this was it. Okay, perfect. Uh, before uh, uh, you have to leave, uh, I want to ask you some uh, general questions about uh, the field of uh, research that uh, we are in, uh, mm -hmm. if that's okay. Sure. Uh, so my first question is, uh, what is the best way for a professional who is working on a different field, let's say, uh, not uh, AI or ML. What is the best way mm -hmm. for them to switch to uh, this field? Um, well, I don't think there's a the I don't think there's such a thing as the best way. It's like doing a PhD. You have to love it. Uh, if you don't, if there's things you don't like, or you for example, in, if we're talking um, computer science, I don't like DevOps. I just don't like that idea and I would never try it because I just don't like it. And it's the same here. If there's things that you don't like about this area, don't try it because uh, you will get lost in, uh, in, in, there's a lot of maths behind, there's a lot of yes. uh, concepts that you have to learn, uh, yeah, principles and you will just get lost. Um, so I would say if you're passionate, start reading, uh, start with Perceptron, uh, start with um, linear regression, start with these things. Uh, and yeah, just keep building block to block. Um, you will get the hang of it sooner or later. Uh, and it, when you do it, it's really nice. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think this is the best uh, thing to do. Perfect. Uh, another thing uh, that I uh, want to ask you is uh, how difficult do you think to get into uh, the research side of uh, uh, ML and AI, not particularly engineering, but the research mostly, how difficult it is to get into that? Um, to get into what exactly jobs uh, to, or yeah to get into the research jobs uh, machine learning research uh, or mm -hmm. AI research jobs I would say not that difficult uh, given the fact that you know I mean if you have some knowledge about this you have exp well not experience is a broad term but if you have like little experience and you have I don't know ideas and you know what's state of the art currently um i don't know if it's very hard i mean i've done internships in research i had little to no experience in this um there's i wouldn't say it's that hard it depends what opportunities you find um mm. I, I love that answer actually because uh I mean, uh, nowadays, uh, even if you have uh, a uh, degree from an university, I think still getting a good opportunity, uh, finding out a good opportunity, even if it's an internship, uh, mm -hmm. but if it's uh, something that you are passionate about, I think that's more important than having a degree uh, from a from a university at this point, uh, yeah. the way the world is moving. Awesome. Exactly. And uh, do you want to recommend some uh, sources uh, for the basic stuff, uh, the, the background uh, that we discussed today? For example, the background we talked about, object detection, segmentation. Do you want to refer to some sources that uh, uh, helped you uh, research all this stuff, learn more about this stuff? Yeah, sure. So um, at the time, I was uh, using Plural Site. I think 
uh, I think you can get a free trial on it. Uh, so yeah, I was I was looking up on tutorials on Plural site, and then there's the obvious websites towards that data science um, medium. I think yes, and yeah, those are like easier to read. But if you really want to get into the depth of it, just look out for research papers. Um, if you're if you actually care about things like what type of loss are we using and things like that. A research paper is the place you want to go. But if you're starting out, YouTube, Plural Site, uh, Udemy, I think, has tutorials. Um, nice. Yeah. And finally, I ask this question to everyone, uh, and it's a little bit of a controversial uh, question. Uh, and it is that, do you think that AI is disrupting different uh, fields of uh, research or different fields of uh, work uh, for both for good or bad in terms of uh, because some people say that AI is taking the jobs. But uh, we as uh, AI uh, researchers, we always want to remind people that AI is also creating new jobs. So where do you lie in that spectrum? I would have to agree with you. Um, I think AI is not stealing jobs. For example, um, yeah, so for example, there's, uh, I forgot which state was in, but in America some time ago, or I'm not too sure. Yeah, I think in America or somewhere there has been, there was a robot that has been developed to, to actually say if a patient had cancer or not. Mm. And the accuracy was at around 99%. And that was AI. Now, you can say here that, yeah, AI is stealing the, the, the doctor's job, but it's not like that. Yep. Uh, everybody who does a certain job or has a daily activity that it can become, uh, let's say, monotone at times, that person will become an observer. And what I mean by observer is that AI is still just statistics. It's not actually intelligence. So you have to actually uh, monitor what the AI is doing because sometimes the AI might be, might be wrong. Uh, we we, we overhype it sometimes, but it actually can be wrong. So uh, by observer, I mean, you just have to basically annotate the situation as, uh, let's say, false positive or something like that. And uh, yeah, uh, give feedback or things like that. So I don't think it will steal any job. It will create jobs, but they're going to be called observers or, I don't know, prompt engineers, uh, as it right. is with case of GPT, G, chat GPT now. Um, yes. It's not going to steal jobs any soon. Uh, we will have to create a very uh, well-built ecosystem right with AI, which is miles ahead of us, I think. Perfect. Yeah, I love that answer. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for uh, presenting uh, such an awesome uh, project and uh, answering all the uh, interesting questions. Uh, so with that, uh, I'm going to uh, end this. Uh